This episode of the Modern Witch Podcast is brought to you by Horticulture, a premier online event celebrating green magic in all its forms. This year, we have live and downloadable workshops by international best-selling authors and plant magic aficionados like Aaron Murphy-Hiscock, Juliet Diaz, Eva Dominguez Jr., Amy Blackthorne, Kobe Michael, Jesse Hathaway-Diaz, and me, Devin Hunter. Attendees get access to a private year-long Discord server, a digital grimoire featuring over 10 hours of additional bonus content from our presenters, and VIP access to the rare and magical plant marketplace. Horticulture happens April 23rd and 24th, with part of the proceeds benefiting the Nature Conservancy. Whether you're into herbs and the poison path, sacred gardening and ecology, rewilding your indoor space, or just want to meet other green magicians to share tips and cuttings, Horticulture is for you. Find out more at horticulture.com. That's H-O-R-T-O-C-C-U-L-T-U-R-E.com or modernwitch.com. And act now. Early bird tickets are available only until March 20th. Horticulture, a celebration of green magic in all its forms. April 23rd and 24th, presented by Modern Witch. What is that? A little bag made from the skin of a toad. Doesn't matter. She, she's tampering in dark-sided stuff. Yet in our own supremely rational time, there has been a dramatic rebirth of the ancient arts of witchcraft. You're listening to the Modern Witch Podcast with Devin Hunter. Me, 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 me. Well, hello there. It's me, your host with the most. It's Devin Hunter, and you're listening to the Modern Witch Podcast. How are you this fantastic day? I, I hope you're well because you're you're listening to my show, and and you know you should be happy when you're listening to my show. It's Modern Witch. Why wouldn't you be happy? It's a fantastic show. Only the very best for my listeners, of course, because that's how we roll here at Modern Witch. Uh, so many things to tell you. It's been a busy. It's been a busy month already, and we're just like a weekend. Um, and uh, my voice is low because it, it just is what it is, folks. It's it's what almost midnight on uh, the night before release because I procrastinated uh, in getting the show done this week. But here we are. It's okay. It is. It's you know nick of time, but it's still in the nick of time. So no worries. But I digress. Anyway, so raspy voice and all. There's a lot of stuff going on. Um, once again, the world is just like super intense. So, you know, send energy where you can, uh, just make sure you're sending energy, right? Do something. Um, also I have to tell you that there are some amazing things that are happening around the world. And so don't forget to like, you know, shift perspective and tune into some good things. Uh, one of the good things and I'm happy right now is that there have been a lot of projects that are coming to completion and new things that are coming afoot. So, you know, life is um, life is moving forward. And uh, whether or not, you know, the you were impacted by the pandemic or the the state of the world and, you know, especially Eastern Europe right now is, is on your mind there's still some positive stuff to, to look at in your life and to maybe project some of that positivity out into the world where they're suffering, right? So those are things we can do. 
So that's what I'm gonna just. I'm that's the intense moment of the show. So I'm I'm gonna drop it there. Last episode uh, was of course with the amazing Aaron Murphy Hiscock, and it was it was part one of what became a two-parter. But let me tell you, there was still some I had to cut off because there's no way, right? I mean, it's just these things. It became a very long show. So that content of course goes to the amazing people over at the patreon they're going to get that content but i i have to tell you it was like amazing to have that much content just come out of one interview so pretty trippy um so you're you're going to get the rest of that today and and we're going to go into more about plants and you know magic and other things you last episode was kind of i don't know kind of personal and intense this episode's it's a little lighter the I, i realized oh this is like not going to cheer people up necessarily. So there's, you know, there's other things to talk about. So we kind of changed topic. We changed course and we went into a different direction. So, you know, there's that. Um, so I hope that you enjoy the show. It was a fantastic show. Again, the unedited version is over on the Patreon. So go check that out. Um, I do want to tell you that we have Modern Witch merch now. So if you go to modernwitch.com, there's a shop button. And you can find all of the cool things like the official Modern Witch shirts and hats and and uh, tote bags and all of that good stuff. There's also other things besides just branded stuff, right? So just so you know, like the official do what thou wilt, but don't be a dick about it t-shirt is out there. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Um, I did that for you. I did it for me because I, I was saying it all the time. So I figured why not just make it a t-shirt? Um, also, I promised Twitter it would happen one day. And here we are, Twitter. We have made a t-shirt. Uh, and you can go get that at modernwitch.com. So I hope that you do because it's pretty rad. Um, and again, horticulture tickets, they're available. You should go check that out. You can do that again at modernwitch.com uh, or horticulture.com. Either way, just modernwitch.com is a little easier to remember. Anyway, you're listening to the Modern Witch Podcast. I'm your host, Devin Hunter, and we have the amazing Aaron Murphy Hiscock right after the break. These are my friends. I put googly eyes on them also. Most people don't put googly eyes on their friends. I do. I got the idea off my cactuses because I like to feel comfortable around all my plants. Ferns don't have pricklets like cactuses, but what if they all ganged up, tried to choke you when you sleep? If enough of these ferns lodge themselves down your throat, you choke. Wear something black. With your with your work, the way that um, your your career has unfolded, you've got what is it? Six books out? Oh, more than that, I'm sure. I'm like I, I'm I like don't... I'm looking at a stack of six. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're 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 like you're obviously here for a minute, which is great. So what's coming up next for you? Like, what are you working on after, well, just for this year? Like what, what's, what's cooking in your cauldron, so to speak? Um, I don't have anything contracted at the moment, which is great because, um, you know, gestures of the past two years. Um, but what I'm working on personally is I'm writing a book for the kids in my friend group. Um, They're all around the same age. They're all around 10, 11 years old. And they want to know. They want to know more. 
And so, you know, a lot of it is, well, why don't, why don't you ask Auntie Erin what she would do? Why don't you ask Auntie Erin what she thinks, you know? It's like, well, how could I, how could I put all this together for the kids so that they get a basic intro to elements, grounding and centering, managing emotion, breaking tasks down, which is, you know, a life skill, but also a skill. Total life skill. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Because you need to be able to pinpoint your goal and every step toward that goal. Because if you're vague, who knows what's going to happen, if anything's going to happen at all. Um, But they're also that at the age where crystals are amazing and pendulums are pretty and so rewarding because they respond to you and and things like that so sure here i can give you exercises on um find five plants in your lawn it's not all grass get down on your hands and knees and look at the environment around you find five different kinds of plants um take pictures of them or sketch them and then let's look them up Uh, let's talk about colors let's talk about trees let's talk about animals. What's your favorite animal? Let's talk about why you're drawn to them. What are the things you admire about them? Um, And, you know, maybe an introduction to very gentle shadow work. What animals are you afraid of? What animals do you dislike? What are the things about them that make you uncomfortable? And then sort of reflection saying, well, what do you think that might say about you and how you interact with the world around you. Um, talking about uh, solar energies, lunar energies, um, uh, seasonal rhythms, stuff like this, done in a way so that they can access it and process it, but also apply it. And also in such a way that is not religious because in in witchcraft you know we've we've got we've got the uh the spiritual connection to divine and we also have that just sort of energy connection to nature around us which is divine in and of its own but without a like a specific deity facet on it and i want the kids to be able to know that communicating with the energy of the world around them and interacting with it does not necessarily have to be tied to a deity. They can explore that in a totally different way some other time. I I want this to sort of be witchcraft and natural energies, like a nature-based spirituality. Um, So that's, that's something I'm working on on my own. I don't know whether it's ever going to see the light of day, beyond, you know, the half dozen kids in in uh, my friends group, but you know, we'll see. Um love it. I love it. The, yeah, I'm I think it's I'm, really great. It means something to me and that's that's pretty special. That that can make or break a book. Yeah. <laughs> in the right in the writing experience, totally, yeah. So with that, one of the things that I think um as we talk about just evolving and and maturing and practice over out you know over through time 
I was exposed to a lot of the the basic kind of introductory witchcraft stuff at like a really young age. I had a computer um, by some, that's my wake word for my Alexa, I apologize. I had, uh, I was able to get on the internet at a really young age and I had access to uh, information that, you know, a lot of other people had to go to a library for, look really hard for, um, you know, because the internet was kind of, I wouldn't say it was new, but it was, it was still early. Um, And so, you know, I, I got exposed to things and I didn't understand them. Mm. And there was a lot of that. And so I feel like a good chunk of my like early twenties was just me going through and catching back up on things that I didn't actually understand that I'd been exposed to at a much younger age. And so, you know, part of that um, was that it just it wasn't accessible information. This stuff was, you know, a lot of this stuff was written by some old dude, yeah. you know, in 18 something or other who was an alchemist and he, you know, he was chasing gold and, mm-hmm. um, and that doesn't make sense to a 10 year old or a 12 year old or 13 year old or whatever. Um, and so I, you know, I think it's beautiful. I think it's brilliant. And I, I think those, and I also, the witchcraft without the gods thing, hella important. Um, so, so important for so, so many reasons. And it's something that we harp on a lot. Meet Storm and I have this conversation almost every day um, because, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, and when you live, like we live in a household where we all pretty much do our own thing. There's four of us and we all kind of have our own spirits and our own um, witchcraft practice outside of whatever it is that we do together. And everyone is copious. Everyone gets along. That's Everyone's great. perfectly fine, right? Like it's not really a problem that like a lot of people want to think it is. Um, and so I think it's beautiful at a young age to introduce not just again that information that otherwise they might find and not at all understand, mm-hmm. right? In a way that's meaningful. Like if I had learned the elements um in a in a practical way when I was a child, I would have had a very different approach to many, many different things in my life as I was growing up. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's powerful, Aaron. That's well, very powerful stuff. It gives it gives them, well, we were talking earlier about a scaffolding, like a, a context, a, a lens through which to view the world and organize your experiences. And I think that's really important for kids. Um, and <laughs> it, it's a little tricky because, as I explained, my practice has become so just woven into my everyday life and so intuitive that my kids don't necessarily observe me practicing. So they don't necessarily have a, an example right in front of them of how to do stuff. So it's, it's tricky. You know, I mean, <laughs> my younger daughter will say, well, my, my mom's a witch. And her friends will say, well, no, she's not that's riches aren't real and like if she's a witch what does she do and she doesn't exactly have an answer for it because well she just is which is actually a beautiful description like what am i i am i am magic i am a witch it's not what i do it's what i am but trying to explain that to a bunch of nine-year-olds is tricky (laughs) yes yeah absolutely however i mean it's also the, the like a really great way for your daughter to get like, you know, some street cred, right? My mom's oh, a witch. Absolutely. Like that's a thing. Yeah, totally. I mean, oh well, j- just as just as much as the witch thing is is my kids telling friends at school, oh yeah, my mom worked in the Assassin's Creed franchise. 
that gets major bonus points too. <laughs> Jeez Louise. We have like, I, I, I don't think people actually understand that a lot of us have like lives outside of witchcraft. <laughs> and I think it's like it, people don't realize how many authors are actually involved in, and a lot of the things they love, like, um, uh, obviously, well, obviously you working with the gaming franchises, uh, we've got, um, Rachel Pollock, who is responsible for so many DC stories and, and, you know, like just insane stuff. Um, we have, uh, who was I just talking to, um, Oh gosh, I'm going to figure her name. We have a lot of people. There's a lot of people who are doing really cool stuff outside of, of the craft because We're you're a witch all people. the time. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's part of the juices. Right. Like can't really get around. I know. So I told the guys, I'm like, I, I um, was a dancer and a choreographer and I was a, for a very long time and, and I can't get it out of me. Like, awesome. At ever and I've gained like all this weight and I've you know I'm not in anywhere near the shape I used to be but I still like I I can't get it out of me like and my my head instantly goes to oh it would look good if I did this and and I'm a photographer and I'm a writer and you know all these things they lead up to other fun things in your life and yeah, it's it's all about you're a witch all the time yeah. everything you do is magical Absolutely. right game coding that is magical um working with advertising that is magical like anything you do and it's it's really about starting from that base place of you are the i love that i love that aaron i love it i love it you are the magic that's such an important thing everybody if you're gonna take one thing away from this episode like legitimately and it may sound a little hokey but it's true you are the magic everything you do is magic that is the thing to please take away from this episode yeah it's not what you do it's what you are I love it. That needs to, it's going to get put on like a really cheesy placard and it's going to get put up on my wall somewhere. <laughs> the inspirational posters. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm just going to quote you. Um, okay. So I'm going to get absolutely lynched if I, if I don't talk about plants with you. Okay. Um, <laughs> like I'm like, we've, here we are going in and we're going to hour two and we haven't <laughs> even started talking about plants. So I, so we definitely have to hit that before I let you go, but if you do need to go, just please let me know. Oh no, um, I'm, I'm free. We could always turn this into a two-parter too. It's probably, it, it probably already is. Um, okay. So plants, um, where to begin? There's so many things. Um, okay. okay. Let, let me, let me, let me start by saying I find my involvement as a green witch in, in the greater community moderately hilarious because I kill plants very easily. Um, I, you know, looking at the pictures of your collection, I just, I want to weep. They're gorgeous. They're wonderful. I have a very difficult time keeping plants alive. And part of that is because we've got a challenging, um, environment up here. Our climate is, we go from subtropical to subarctic. So maintaining, um, uh, basically a climate control inside the house is a challenge because it goes from super wet to incredibly dry. Um, but outside can be a challenge too, because we have, you know, relatively extreme weather that comes through. But I also have cats. And I don't know how you keep your cat from destroying your collection, because every cat I have ever had thinks that plants are the best playthings ever. And I have lost more plants to cats than I can count. So what is your secret, Devin? Tell me. 
Well, I got well. It, this is oh, it's a big thing. Okay, so um, this is like the number one question people ask me, and I'm just like, really? Um, <laughs> it's okay. So two things. These are very practical things. The first thing is, um, so I have two cats, and one of them really could care less about the plants. Luckily, she only gets interested in them when she's wanting my attention or she's wanting, you know, somebody's attention. And even then it's, it's like, she rubs on them. She doesn't bite them. So I've gotten pretty lucky. I think we've had a couple of nips here and there, but for the most part, she's, she's pretty chill. Um, my other cat is not like that. My other cat is, is an asshole. And so he is, um, he was the culprit. He was the one that we had to get away from the habit of chewing on the plants, especially what we, what we learned a couple of things. First thing is anything spiky, forget about it. Like, just forget about it. The, in, in the way that the cat sees it and then their head, it's grass. And so they're just going to go chew on it. Um, and so I don't put anything spiky on the ground. I don't put anything spiky or grassy like that anywhere where they're just going to be able to walk up to it and put their face on it. So everything's kind of lifted up a little bit um, if it's on the ground. There's no... Uh, exposed, like if I've got a big pot and there's a tree in it or something, I have that covered up with rocks so nothing can get, although my dog did go for some reason rooting into that the other day. Um, but, you know, for, for the most part, it's just like, don't put it in their faces. Don't give them an excuse where they can go potty in something, you know, that kind of a thing. The flip side of it though, is that I kind of cheat a little and the cats know that like the cat, the cats get their own plants. So oh. the cats will get catnip when it's in season. I will have a little pot, like I just keep little four inch pots of catnip going. Um, or there's cat grass, which is just like a type of wheatgrass, I think. Mm-hmm. And that's stuff that they just, that's good for the digestion. It's good for them to do that. And a lot of the times if the cats are eating something like that, it's, there's something it's going on of with the fact it. that they need it. Yeah. Yes. So I give them, so Manzer and Bean have their own little, I mean, Bean never touches it, but Manzer, he loves it. He, you know, he gets his own little cat grass. He's got a little thing um, so that he doesn't go fuck with my plants because I will lose my shit. Um, so there's that. And then I, you know, the, the whole squirt bottle thing. And, and, and oh, yeah. honestly, he only has to see the squirt bottle. Like, I think I've only squirted him twice in all these years. He only has to see it. And he freaks out. So, he doesn't, <laughs> you know, I, I'm lucky in that, but um, no, it's, it, it really is with uh, friends of mine who have, I have a friend who has like seven cats, a lots of house plants. She makes it work. And, and her secret really has been um, immediately correcting the behavior. Like it's when you see it, just you immediately take care of it. No walking in and going, what the hell happened to my plant? Um, she would take plants away. So, and this is something that I've done a couple of times, like with Manzer, because he gets very, um, he's my little black cat and he gets very, he's very talkative. He's very social and he's also very sensitive. So if he doesn't get attention, he gets very angry and he, you know, yeah, he, he gets, he turns into a little dick. And so that's when he goes after the plants. And so mm-hmm. if there's a plant that I've noticed, he, you know, if there's a chew mark on it, I just move the plant. Like I completely remove the plant. Um, and, and so things have been, I mean, I have to say, I, I compared to, you know, some people have hell cats, don't get me wrong, you know, and I would imagine that would be a nightmare, but with, with doing these simple things of just keeping things off the ground, keeping um, spiky plants away from them. Um, like if I have a spiky plant, it is pushed back, you know, anything that's um, uh, like a, like a mother-in-law tongue or like a snake plant, like those yeah. are fine. They, those are too tough oh, yeah. for, for anything. But other than that, no, no, no. 
Um, and so I, I've got, and I also fill up the windows so there's no space for them to jump in them and up in there and, and get too nosy. Um, we've, we've, we've got over 1200 plants in the house. Oh. And um, if it's a really important plant, I have it behind glass mostly, mm-hmm. or it's locked up. I have a, we have a, a when it, we took what was our office, like our, sh- our shared office for the business and we converted it into a greenhouse essentially. So I have this greenhouse room that I can keep at 70 to 80% humidity all the time. I can keep high light so I can grow my tropicals and I can grow the things that um, like my begonias and, you know, things like that. And the cats don't really like to go in there. And I think it's because the humidity is so humidity. high. Yeah. Um, so I, Bean will come in and she'll hang out with me for maybe 30 minutes, but then she gets over it and she's like, she has to go. <laughs> um, but for the most part, no, I mean, it's, you know, we've because we've been trying to pay attention to it and and figure out what is different about our situation than other people's situation and you know our other pet experiences and other things like that and it really seems to be correcting it correcting the behavior as as soon as possible and you know it's a squirt bottle it's me hissing at him you know that kind of a thing and it works. It, it works very quickly because, you know, and now it literally is if, if he goes, if my one cat goes after a plant, it is because he is not getting something from me that he absolutely wants. And it's usually food, water, or he wants his catnip, you know, and he's doing it to get my attention. And so, you know, that being the case, I don't really, you know, I don't keep too many things that are where he could do that or, right. you know, that kind of a deal. And that's it. Um, you know, I have to, I have to yeah. say um, a lot of... <laughs> At any given time, one of my cats is an asshole. Like, one of the cats that belongs to the household is definitely a capital A asshole, and that is always the one that gives me trouble with plants. So what plants I do have are on top of bookcases, um, smaller hanging plants in windows that they can't reach. As I said, I tend to kill a lot of small plants, so kitchen herbs are always a challenge. But this winter, I have a potted spearmint and a rosemary on my windowsill, and they have left them completely alone, which amazes me because they love jumping up in the kitchen window to look out. Um, but they they completely ignore them. So I, I, would, I would imagine it's the scent. I, it must be. Yeah. Because spearmint, of course, I mean, catnip is a member of the mint family. So, I mean, I've had cats who used to dip their paws in cups of mint tea and lick them. So, you know, I'm wondering if it's the rosemary. That's interesting. I'm going to do some experiments. Yeah, that's hecka interesting. I know that um, the, what is it? It's like, there's like, there's like a camphorness that rosemary has and spearmint has that like uh, peppermint wouldn't have. And I know that because spearmint can be used to deter certain field pests that peppermint can't be used for. And I think it has just to do with that camphorness. Like there's a, there's a sharpness to it that, that peppermint doesn't have. Mm -hmm. Um, But try it out and let me know. Cause now I'm heck curious. (laughs) It's fascinating. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, that's really, there's, there's been a, you know, the other thing too, is there's um, there are, a couple of plants that I, I will say the cats completely avoid, like won't even, you know, my one cat, she likes to sleep amongst my plants. Like she's in a little forest and I think it's adorable, but there are areas she won't even go into. And it's, and we do have those, those camphorous kind of herbs. Um, 
I've got one that's it's I can't remember the scientific name, but it's 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 a Vix plant is what it's called the Vix plant, and it smells just like Vix vapor rub. In fact, I actually thought it was what the Vix vapor rub was was made out of. Like that's how eerily similar it is, and it grows. It looks like a mint. It grows like a mint. It smells obviously kind of similar to a mint because it does have that camperness, but it's a succulent. And so it's, it's in that family, but it's on the succulent side of things and the cats can't stand it. <laughs> it won't go anywhere near it. So is it, I is wonder, it eucalyptus? It isn't a eucalyptus. No, I'll find the name. And if a oh, girl, if I could send you some shit in Canada, I would, I don't have my export license though. Um, <laughs> but no, but it, it is, I'll find you the name for it, the, the scientific name for it, but there is something about it that I love. I, I love putting like eucalyptus. I love having it in my shower and it just smells good and feels good. But um, the cats can't stand it. Whereas valerian root, they love, well, and it smells like well, vomit. Right. And it, you know, and that's apparently the thing. The reason why cats like valerian root is that it smells like a cat den because cats throw up so much. And, and apparently in their dens, that's a thing that huh. moms do. And so it's, it's actually comforting to a cat to have valerian root. So when we got it my, does have that slightly sharp earthiness to it. Ugh. When, when I, when I worked Ugh. in, um, the uh, magic supply shop we used to have packaged herbs and we sorted them alphabetically when they were hanging on a on a spinning uh display unit and people used to come to us and say i can't find the valerian it's not in the v's we'd be like oh no 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 it's at the top because we can't leave it on the bottom because we had store cats and we would come in in the morning and they would have ripped open the valerian if somebody they knew had actually it. filed yeah. it alphabetically at the bottom. <laughs> yeah. And that was a surprise. I had no idea because I, and it all came out because my one cat loves um, catnip, like goes nuts for it, but my other cat doesn't. And she, she's now getting, to, she likes it now she's getting older, but that I, I learned that apparently when, when cats are young, that it's very often that they won't, respond to catnip and it takes it takes a while for them to get to that point um but it's valerian root that'll do it and so um so i started making these uh, when we got manzer for uh when we adopted him for us for a little spell i did to just you know get closer to him and have him feel closer to me and so we could bond and connect i made a a little cat toy and i stuffed it with catnip and a piece of my hair and um some valerian root and then I ensorcelled it and gave it to him. He fucking loved that thing. And it went everywhere with him. And he was, it was, uh, it, and it worked. I mean, we're, we're thick as thieves, me and this cat, even though he's a little asshole. Um, but he follows me from room to room and we're very, very tight. Um, but it was that, th- it was, it was a shock to me because I actually, um, I found that out because I went looking for, well, how the hell do I calm my cat down? Cause he, he's a rescue. He's very skittish and yeah. he was new home and all those things. And it was Valerian root. And so we had sprinkled Valerian root all over the bedroom. <laughs> which was horrible it was so horrible and it was like that for two weeks because you know they're like i'll give them two weeks in this because we have a in the bedroom and then let them out in the rest of the house and so it's yeah. two weeks of this room smelling like valerian root it was so bad it was so so bad um cat was worth it great but we had to we had to throw the sheets away it was a thing um because oh, you just can't get rid of that at some point it's it's there mm-hmm. uh so you know but it but it, valerian root is one of those things that i just can't i mean i i you know, I'll drink a tea, I'll do all the stuff, but it's not my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) It's up there with like aspatita. I'm like, I just can't stand all that, all that stuff. All that stinky herbs. Yeah. 
Uh, so what I imagine this is something that I've always wondered um, about living in Canada and being a witch and especially being a green witch, because as you said, like you really have like this, what is it? Arboreal or arboreal climate. So it's, it's, it's extremes and in, in temperature yeah. and it's cold most of the time and your winters are a little longer and, you know, yeah. those sorts of things. So what was it like? I, I guess I want to ask you this first. When you made your connection with plants, was that from you going out into you know nature and the wilderness and connecting, or did it start off as more you know gardening and, and home based? It started off rooted in witchcraft, actually, um, because uh, when I started practicing, one of the things that really drew me was um, making spell packets, uh, charms. Um, things like that. I really loved mixing herbs together, um, pulling, pulling together different energies and, and wrapping them all up in a ball for a particular, a particular goal. And so it started like that. And then I went on to, oh, well, you know, rather than constantly buying dried herbs and throwing them out, after a certain period of time, why don't I just choose a, like a certain set and try to grow them? And if I grow them outside, then I can harvest them and dry them myself. And then I can use them over the winter and then I can grow them again in the spring. Um, or certain things which just defy the snow, like my thyme plant that I can walk out in the middle of winter and just move aside the snow and cut a couple of sprigs off and I've got it. Um, so it started that way. And because I don't have a lot of space, I do stick to sort of a small palette of herbs that I can use for many different reasons. They have to be herbs that'll grow here. Um, I can't grow anything super exotic. And, you know, actually, that's that was one of the challenges when it came to writing um, The Green Witch's Garden. If I wrote just for my growing zone, I'd be leaving an awful lot of the world out. And as it is, there's no way I could write a book that would address being able to garden magically worldwide. I mean, that's just that's just beyond the scope of anything. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of had to focus on the growing zones in the Americas. And I learned a lot. Like I learned that we could technically grow cinnamon and that blew my mind because I wouldn't be able to do that here. I would have to have a room like you have that has um, incredible climate control. But, you know, someone somewhere else in the Americas probably could. I was like, that's so cool. You could actually grow your own cinnamon instead of relying on what's at the grocery store, which isn't always true cinnamon. So, no, look at that. I just went on a tangent again. Yeah. So no, I, no, it's, it's this is great because <laughs> I I have a whole tangent about cinnamon myself and how awesome. most of it isn't real. So, amen, girl. You keep going. <laughs> you keep going. Um, so yeah, I, I I pick that sort of herbal palette and I stick with that. Every once in a while. If I'll be walking through the nursery, I'll see something and go, oh, I've never tried growing that before. 
well, I'll bring it home and I'll see what happens. And I'll bring it home and I'll read up on it. Like, where does it grow? How does it grow? What does it need in the soil? What kind of support does it need externally? What kind of watering does it need? Um, will I be able to bring it inside at the end of the growing season? Or is it going to be salut les visites? You know, thank you for coming. Um, and it just kind of, <laughs> it grew organically. <laughs> when I was a kid, um, my mom canned a lot. Um, we didn't have a lot of money, so we we grew a lot of our own vegetables, and my mom would can them at the end of the growing season. So, you know, basic weeding, basic watering, basic, these things will grow in the garden space and the soil we have. Those were just sort of things I picked up because mum was doing it. Um, and then houseplants too. My mom loved her houseplants and uh, our cats always behaved when it was her house. <laughs> um, so, you know, basic things like philodendrons and pothos and spider plants and asparagus ferns and African violets and, and very common houseplants that created a different feel. My house felt different from other people's houses. When I would go to visit, if they didn't have plants, it felt different. And as a kid, that's not something I could parse. Well, of course it's different, it's not my house. That's why it feels different. But as an adult, I know a lot of it had to do with the fact that we had green growing things. And houses that didn't felt different for that reason. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, and, to the point where, like, I mean, I, I'm up to telling people, like, well, you should, oh, your, your relationship's been really stagnant and you're not, oh, you should get some plants in your house. And I bet you yeah. anything that'll start yeah. to lift up. Yeah, it's kind of insane. It's, uh, you know, for me, it was like my mom owned a landscaping company. And so uh, when I was a kid, and so it went from, and we had like an acre and a half of land and my mother is a very, very green thumb kind of person. And she inherited that from her grandmother and, um, and who inherited it from her grandmother. So it was the, it, the family tradition. It was gardening, actually. It was always been a big part of, of the, some form or another in the family. And mom tried to present those things to me as a kid and I can care less. I couldn't care less. I, it didn't matter to me. It was chores and yep. that's the way it felt. And um, so, you know, it, going out and weeding the garden was a pain in the butt going out and weeding the flower beds was a pain in the butt, you know, yep. and we have an acre and a half of land and it was basically just me. Yeah. It was basically just me. So, you know, I kind of resented it. And then I, you know, I loved plants, but I took them for granted. I didn't realize that they weren't, a feature in people's lives in the way yeah. that they were a feature in mine. And I, when I graduated high school, I worked for a produce farm and, um, but they also had a couple of flower nurse or greenhouses. And so people could come in the springtime and do their shopping. And one day I was able to get into the office that was always locked. And there was this beautiful glass house that was off the side of this office and it was full of tropicals and you could see the tropicals from outside, but you can never get into the tropicals to see the tropicals. 
And I remember, you know, finally getting into it and looking, I'm like, these are amazing. I've never seen these before. These are beautiful plants. And the, the owner saying, well, yeah, nobody wants to buy them. Like nobody cares about tropicals. They're just not, it's not a thing. Like people, you know, if they get people want a house plant, it's going to be, you know, one of three house plants and that's basically it. And I was like, oh, well, that's kind of boring. That's kind of sad. And it was my first real experience of running into like tropical plants and, and seeing how interesting they were compared to, you know, what I was used to. And, um, and, and I fell in love and then I got one and I killed it. I got a, I got an Albo Monstera and I killed it. Now today it would be worth $3 million or something, but it was, you know, but it was just a plant. It was, you know, this fun little experiment and I killed it. And then I gave up, you know, on plants. I moved around a lot. And then I find myself out here and I got with a Taurus who um, over the years really let me use that landscaping background that I had growing up to work with the the property here and, and things like that. And slowly he started to trust me more <laughs> with plant decisions and things like that. Um, but it was really, I, mean, I gotta say the, I'd say resurgence of plants in my life came from Chaz, came from my partner, Chaz, who he wanted to create a space for himself that was just a, a nice little room that he could go into and be creative. And he started to fill it with plants and it was like all really basic stuff. But I would go into this room and I would be like, I want this. I I want to sit in a forest. I deserve this. <laughs> like, this is a thing. And I just found myself spending all the time I possibly could in his little, his little green space. And then that was it. And I went out and I, I, I bought a couple of um, black alica- or black calicaceas, elephant ears. Mm-hmm. And um, I was going to do the goth gardening thing. And the next thing I know, I blinked and my, literally I had, all of these. And so it's just been this, this thing of, you know, over the last three, and then it was really bad when the pandemic hit, it got like extra bad um, because I had, I couldn't go anywhere. So I was just shopping online for, for rare tropical plants. It was very bad. <laughs> it was so bad. We got a stimulus check down here and I, and everyone's like, Oh, I used my stimulus to do that. I'm like, I imported plants from Thailand. That's what I, I, I supported another economy with my, um, it worked though. It works. Uh, but you know, it's this, it, it, it really was, it, it's, it's come and it's gone, you know, in my life. And, and just like so many other things have come and gone. Um, but I find that again, I took things for granted and I didn't realize that until I got older, but like, you know, me having to go out there and weed those beds. Yes. It was labor. And, you know, yes, my, I was exploited by my parents. Yes. All that is real. However, um, talk about having time for you and your mind and your own process. And it teaches you, you know, gardening, whether it's indoor or outdoor as a spiritual person, it really teaches you about connection. And this is something that I just can't explain to people until you do it, you know? Yeah. And that when, when I started writing the green witch's garden, I, I wanted people to know that it doesn't matter. You don't have to have a super green thumb. Just the act of trying, just the act of having having this living thing that you are caring for, that you can reach your energy out and touch it, and its energy can touch you, and you can get your fingers on it, and in it, and around it. You can give it water, you can give it light, you can, it's just, it is literally one of the most basic things you can do 
in order to physically make yourself part of the give and take of nature. You know, it's and it's funny because I talk to my plants, I mean, I talk to everything, I talk to inanimate objects, but I talk to my plants when I water them or when I turn them to, to uh, take off dead stuff or <clears throat> add soil or whatever. I talk to them the same way I talk to our rabbit and our ball python and our corn snakes and, I mean, the cats have a, are a totally different category, but it's, it's that love, it's that reaching out of my energy to another living thing and touching it, saying, I see you, and, and you matter. And it's, I don't know, maybe it's the cancer in me again. I want to care for this thing, and I want to make it work. I want to make it comfortable. I want to make it happy, which is why I am so devastated if a cat grabs it and knocks it on the ground and pulls everything out and you know it's gone yeah absolutely i think for me it's the i love i have a a weird energy thing in my life where i'm really good at starting things i'm really like really good at starting big big huge projects and things like that yeah. i'm not necessarily good at maintaining them after i've started them though mm. and so things that i can I can know there's going to be, I can see the end. Like I can see the complete, like that's why I love writing books. I think so much is that I, I I'm kind of forced to, to complete it. You know, I am forced to get it all out and put it into one place. And then the minute it gets published, I want to write a million other things about it, but yes. it's, it's a beautiful thing in that I can work on this. I can, there's an end. I also have support from other people to help make sure this big thing is going to happen. And it's a really great thing, but other than that, it's a struggle for me. It always has been like, I, yeah. I'm the guy that uh, I was the kid. We'd go to the, we had this little convenience store. We could walk to, we lived in the middle of nowhere, Ohio. And for some reason there was this convenience store. And so we'd walk up to this convenience store and buy candy and stuff. And I was always the kid in our little friend group that I would go in first and I would be the last one out. And usually everyone was waiting 10 or 15 minutes on me. And we all had the same 25 candy bars to look at. But every single time it would take me forever just to pick out what I wanted to eat. Mm. And so there was this like, there's this, just this thing that I've noticed, like ever since I was a little kid where I, um, I need things that are going to be kind of condensed or that I can kind of condense and I can appreciate for what they are um, without getting too lost in making decisions about stuff. So what I've found is with plants, I, it's pretty, you know, you look at something, you look at a plant, there's probably, you know, one out of seven things that could be going wrong with it if it looks a certain way. And you can kind of deduce that this is the problem and then you help it heal and, and it looks better. I love that. There's yeah. this part of me that ah, I love importing. I love getting those like semi-dead plants and bringing them back. I think it's awesome. So I love that. I love all the science. I'm really into that stuff. But I think the most important thing, and this is something that I've been, I'm writing about and trying to collect my thoughts on right now is that plants, watching a plant mature, watching it go from, and I don't have, I don't have physical children, right? I have, I have fur babies and things like that, mm -hmm. but I don't have any fruit of my loins, right? So I can look at my nephews growing up. I can look at my, my friends who have children and I can watch those kids growing up and say, look at the amazing people they're becoming, but I don't have that for myself, right? I do have plants though. And I have the, I have some plants that are, you know, are going to outlive me. And 
taking care of them and watching them go from, you know, people don't understand is that some of these plants have six different types of leaves that they'll produce before they're, you know, done. Um, and so watching it, watching a plant go from seed through its different stages and become something big and beautiful, that is literally what its potential is, is where it's at for me. You know, I li- so live in California. It's hot as hell here. And like we're, it's February, what, 10th or 11th, and it's 75 degrees outside. And <laughs> it's so, minus 30 Celsius here today. See? Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> you know, everyone's got their own environment. Everyone's got their own thing. Yeah. And a lot of the plants that I want to grow do not want to grow here at all. They want mm-hmm. to be in Florida or South America or, you know, somewhere else. And so the the idea that I could take something out of its environment and I can raise it to its full potential as a, as a healthy specimen is really, really not just exciting for me, but it brings this peace to me that I can, I can see this, this thing that God created, whatever God is for you or whoever, you know, that God created, I can have it here. And in some of these cases, like some of the begonia I collect, they're endangered. I mean, like I have a, I have one begonia that only grows one place in the world. It's on a mountain in Cameroon and it's, it, it, it's going to die out like because of climate change. And so if it weren't for people like the guy I was able to hook up with for this, um, who specialize in finding these species that are going to die, they are going to go extinct. There is no question about it. And being able to care for it here in California and raise it to be a healthy specimen that hopefully I can propagate and I can give away to other people who care about it. And we can help prolong the species existence on our planet. I think there's no greater thing a human being can do. That's magic right there. Yeah, that is magic to me. So that's the stuff that like keeps me going. You know, that's the stuff that at the end of the day, I'm like, I, and I still, I'm trying to fall back on herbs and stuff more, especially because I mean, I love herbs. Don't get me wrong, but my, you know, I, I grew up with herbs. So they weren't exciting for me in the same way like a tropical plant was. Um, but at the same time, what I've also learned is there are, are herbs that I can grow here. As you were saying, you know, there are things that will grow here that won't grow anywhere else. Right. Mm-hmm. And very easily here, like we can grow succulents super well. So there's actually a lot of medicinal succulents and I can grow those things. I can um, look at, you talked about gardening natively, right. And understanding what's going on with your native environment. Yeah. So important, especially for in a world where uh, chemicals and pesticides and uh, just waste and you know runoff and all these things have taken away so much from the environment to be able to go through and plant native plants uh in your in your front yard or in your backyard or even just you know i have got a couple of native plants that i grow indoor you know and i I can stick out on a windowsill or i can do that kind of thing that's really really important to me as well um purely psychic i will say land spirits love it when you do that the land spirits love it when you populate your your area sure. with with the native plants. They're like, hell yeah, they're going to be your best friend. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. So there's a lot to I I I love it. It's it's um, it brings me so much. And the the idea of writing, you know, this will be my first plant book that I'm, I'm I just stepped into. I'm so and excited for it. You have no idea. I'm <laughs> I know, really excited I know you're too, just but starting, but I'm so excited. I, well, you know, I wanted, I'm looking at your, your work and I, I'm, it's really inspiring. It's very, very inspiring. And 
I, I, I'm a little nervous about the houseplant stuff uh, because uh, I, like my, I, I announced that the book was happening and I had already talked to some friends of mine who are uh, scholars who live in South America, who have relationships with um, some of these exotic plants that uh, I'm going to be writing about. And, you know, one of the big concerns was like, well, like one of the first things somebody said to me on Twitter was, well, you know, that a lot of these houseplants come from South America. How are you going to write about their spiritual properties? I'm like, I'm like, well, first of all, like, like, that's not how this works. And second of all, you know, and so it's this whole thing of like realizing that um, there's going to be some, some pushback there. And so I've definitely reached out to as many of my friends in the academic field who study these things as possible, make sure I don't cross any lines. Mm -hmm. But one of the things I'm most excited about is that I realized like, I can't, I couldn't write about that stuff anyway, because I I don't belong to these native traditions. It would not be appropriate in any way, shape or form for me to write about the indigenous medicinal properties of a philodendron. But what you can do is talk about your energy experience with that plant. And that was, that was one of the, the fun bits of pulling together the green witch's garden, because I was like, well, when you, when you open Cunningham, for example, you know, pretty much everybody has a copy of the Encyclopedia of Magical Herbs on their shelves. You know, you open it up, and it's full of a bunch of old world stuff. But not necessarily plants that people are going to run into on a more common basis, like a spider plant. Um, that was my that was my pitch, too. It was yeah. totally my sales pitch. I was like, well, how many people do you know are growing rosemary in their, in, in their apartment versus a phylodendron or a ficus? Yeah, exactly. There are, yeah. there are so many houseplants and they are participating beings in the energy of your environment. So they are giving off a certain kind of energy. And if you're going to incorporate that energy into your, the, the aggregate the energy aggregate of your hearth, of your home, then you're going to want to know what that is, especially if you want to draw on that energy for magic. Absolutely. I mean, just without question. I would say, I love crystal. I might, I have a book on crystals coming out this summer. I'm super super excited about, and I feel like the crystals very naturally lend themselves to plant energy. They're very, there's a lot of crossover. And what I think it really, I mean, obviously it's earth energy, right? There's, there's obviously that coming up from it, but I, I, I have started the process of pairing crystals. I've done, been doing this for about two years now, crystals with different house plants. And it's not just from a, Oh, you guys can grow together, but your vibrations are very similar. Mm. And so helping to not only understand crystals better, but also plants better and that, that shared correspondent, you know, vibration, it's been really, really fun. And, um, that's something that I'm excited about just kind of playing a little bit more with. Um, but I tell people, you know, if you like crystals and you, you like the way a crystal pours energy into your space, you really would like plants as well. And you don't have to go with a hard plant. Like there are easy plants to take care of that will not give you a a difficult time. Although I will say, Aaron, I'm not going to lie. I gave Matt three snake plants thinking he was going to be able to like, cause he's like, Oh no, I, I I'm not good with plants. Although he's a mandrake. That's doing perfectly fine. I don't know what he's talking about, but he, I gave him these three snake plants and he, he killed them. I don't know how you could kill a snake plant. He killed three <laughs> of them. So I'm like, well, yo, I break, they're, they're almost dead. I bring it back to life. But you know, that being said, so there, you know, it, yes, you can be somebody who 
accidentally kills everything. But absolutely. But I also will tell you as being somebody who does what I do, and I'm sure you will can say the same thing. The more you garden, it's not that you kill less plants. It's just that you kill more expensive ones. Like that's <laughs> pretty much how it goes. Like, cause you, well, people don't, people really need to remember a lot of this, like if it's not a native plant, it is not supposed to grow where you're growing it. it yes, it's not exactly. normal for it at all. And you add other things. Like if you're growing it indoors, that adds a whole layer of crap to yep. taking care of the plant that people don't understand yep. uh, versus growing it on your patio or in, or actually in the earth in mm -hmm. your yard. You know, I mean, so people, people, I think will have experiences with plants, they'll kill it and they'll not understand that the reason why it died was actually probably something very stupid. And it was probably something, you know, or very simple rather. Um, and you could fix easily, you yeah. know, like don't, don't. So it, it's, I love plants so much and they've, they've really helped me in every area of my life. I mean, my relationships are better because I have plants in my life. I mean, it's, oh. it's really true. Um, and I know the magic that they're just pumping out like just like a crystal. There's energy pumping out all the time with these plants. All there's the energy time. pumping out all the time. So that relationship has been um, really important to me. But what I want to know is what is your plant? Like, what is the plant that when, when we talk about plant energy, you instantly come with like, what pops up in your mind? Rosemary. Okay. Why? Oh, it did. <laughs> I, I. I don't know. I don't know. It just, I vibe with it. I vibe with it really, really well. Um, it is the herb I will reach for, for blessing, for purifying, which are the two main uses I use for pretty much anything. Um, it's sturdy. Like, like physically sturdy. It's it's an evergreen. It's got strength to the the woody twigs. It's it's the leaves are not delicate. That they're needles and they they hold themselves in a in a very grounded way. The the energy it gives off grounds me. Opens my mind helps me focus, but also clears away stuff. It, uh, it just, it's, I vibe with it. And, and more alive than dried. Dried will do it too, but to a, a, a much lesser extent. It was a surprise there, 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 to me. Oh, go ahead. Sorry to interrupt you. No, no, it's good. Um, yeah, it was a surprise to me because I always assumed that I, I would like, I like using things like lemon balm and verbena and, uh, and lavender in magic. But in the past couple of years, it's really, really been rosemary that I turn to more than anything else. I love that. I do. I love rosemary is a, uh, it grows so like vivaciously out here. And when I, when I was growing, growing up in Ohio, we really couldn't get our rosemary plants to get maybe a foot out, maybe, maybe, maybe two feet tall. Like if we were lucky, um, out here, they grow like hedges wow. and you can like, there are, there are, 
neighborhoods you can walk through down in San Francisco and you're just, well, everywhere around here. Well, that's what they have. They just have rosemary hedges and oh six feet tall rosemary, yeah. insane rosemary out here. And I had no idea. And it was just, it likes the atmosphere. It likes the, you know, the climate out here. Um, see, for me, it's rue. I would say if I had a, an herb that I was constant, like just, there was an instant spark there. There was an instant connection. And it's been like this since I was uh, 14, 15 years old, it was rue. Oh. And it has, it's one of the the least favorite smelling herbs of, uh, out there. Um, Cause <laughs> it has a very specific scent that is, yep. you cannot duplicate anywhere. And the oil takes over any blend you put it in. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's a very pungent, but there's something about it. And I, I was uh, repotting my rue plant a couple years ago and you know, the leaves have the smell that that scent to them. And if you break a twig, you can smell that that rue scent. But the the real pungent stuff is in the roots. And I didn't know that. And so I was popping the roots out. And then I had this massive roots that, you know, broke off. And I, what are you going to do with? And I, 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 my nose was clogged because that was allergy season. And so I'm like, well, I, these are rue roots. I got to use this for something. There's got to be some witchy thing I could do. Right. So I, I, <laughs> I have them off to the side and again, my nose is clogged, so I can't really smell anything. And I just thinking it's, you know, what I could smell was just regular rue stuff. It filled the house. Everybody could, it, it just reeked of rue, which again, was pleasant for me with a little, a little bit I could smell, but not for everybody else. It's got a very pungent, but there was something just beautiful and magical about it. And yeah. uh, it's obviously, you know, got a, a very large magical history to it. And it's related to uh, witchcraft in many, many ways, but it is, it's the weird unpractical herb, you know, cause it's not something that would, you would grow really outside of, unless you wanted to raise it for witchcraft purposes. Yeah. It's like not really something that's a lot in a lot of medicinal stuff. And, um, so it is this weird herb, you know, it's just not, a, you know, with, with our rosemary, it's like, well, I, I use that all the time for cooking with the lavender. I use that all the time, you know, but yes. rue, it's like this, this, it's a, it sticks out. I will say out of the collection, but it's my favorite. I got it. Got to love for Um, I love that. I love knowing, I love knowing that you're a rosemary person. I really do. I'm here for that. And <laughs> I, I just do, I know because we again have lots of rosemary and rosemary is a big deal out here. And it's one of those ones that, people take for granted it's it's really and people don't realize how incredible rosemary is it's so versatile and it and it does have a lot of power to it you can draw and draw and draw on it and it's still there it's it's incredible and i also like what you said about the the live versus the dried and and i my other thing with this too is like I, I use all the dried herbs. Lord knows I have all the dried herbs and oh, things yeah. like that too. We all have a cupboard, right? If you're a witch, you got a cupboard with jars. Yep. Um, that's a thing. But that being said, there is something very, that levels you up as somebody working with those herbs. If you grow them, if yes. you have a relationship with, and I, yes, it's the plant spirit, but I think it's just the plant. Like once you realize the individual plant too. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And so like, good thing, just, uh, we'll say like stinging nettle, right? So everybody, you know, it's this hard thing to, uh, to, to touch because it wants to hurt you, you know, and, but yet it's so, so often used in medicinal stuff healing. and we can use it for yeah. protection. It's very healing plant, but you don't really understand that connection for it being a healing plant until you raise it. 
Like, I mean, obviously you can yeah. grind it down, but watching it grow and then watching it respond to not just the other plants around it, but what happens when you get stung by it. It's mm. really fascinating. It's like, you're being informed, you know, yes. it's, it's such a, you're it's, gathering that, that experience. Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, just spiritually, psychically, you're being informed of what this plant is about, what it's capable of doing. And it's, I mean, it's telling you this, right. So that when you do go to use it in dried form, you have a very different relationship to it than you do otherwise. Mm-hmm. You know, and I tell people like, if you can't, if you live in, you know, the middle of the city and you can't get out and you're not raising herbs, you can still connect with this stuff. Like you can still go to, you can still get out into, uh, you know, uh, go to the Trader Joe's and you can buy a rosemary plant, right? That is a very, very big thing that you can do. You can go to a garden that exists, you know, you don't necessarily have to do this work, you know, in totality and, um, yeah like don't don't uh not do it because you can't do it perfectly i guess is what i'm trying to say like go experience it go to a garden go to a botanical uh center especially if you've got a local botany group like you'd be amazed at the the stuff these groups do in your city that are helping your city you just don't even know about right so like there's so many ways you can go and connect to the green world it doesn't have to be raising it in your backyard especially if you don't have a backyard exactly Um, so was- to that point, can I ask you for some tips about um, if if people are wanting to connect to the green world, wanting to connect to green magic, but they live in a cement world, how, what are your tips for that? You know, when I wrote The Green Witch originally, my original, my original pitch for it was all these books on the occult store shelves talk about you know, interacting with these plants and things, and they all assume that you've got this lush garden available to you or forests. And we all live in cities. And how do you create a relationship with nature when you're surrounded by high rises? So I had a really good long think about it. And in Montreal, we have um, an absolutely glorious botanical garden. We have... um, we have a, a, we have the insectarium and we have the biodome, which has small individual climates in it with flora and fauna found in those climates. Um, so there are places in the city, you know, I mean, quite apart from the huge parks we have and, you know, the trails and things like that, all accessible by public transport. So you can actually go places and immerse yourself completely in a very small but self-contained climate surrounded by green or by animals or by insects. So these, these are these are ways that people often don't consider when they're saying, oh, well, how can I be a green witch? You know, I live in a one-room apartment that faces north on the seventh floor, and I don't have a balcony. It's like, well, there are ways to do it. You just have to be creative. So there's getting out that way. Um, There's joining groups, like you just said, like botanical groups, even if it's online. Now, this might be a little controversial, but when I am online in a plant group and I see an absolutely glorious photo 
of a Monstera with gorgeous color variegation on it. I, my energy becomes affected by that. And I'm not going to say it's the same as being in the presence of a living plant. But there is an energy change there. And knowing that there are people out there posting these pictures and they are interacting with their plants, it moves energy too. Um, groups tend to have a, uh, they have a, like a group mind, a group spirit, a group characteristic, group personality. Um, so w when I feel like I need a shot of something, of, of plant juice, for the lack of a better term, and I'm in a place where I can't interact directly with something living, I'll turn to my plant groups online. And I will be able to construct that, um, oh, uh, it's, it's like, it's like the, uh, the meditation temple in the mind, where you, where you create the, the, the mental, yeah. the astral temple. Yeah. Do that with plants. It's a very interesting exercise. Um, so, you know, your mental spiritual landscape can be populated by all sorts of things. Um, talking to other witches about their experience with plants, like their energy exchange with plants can give you an idea of what those energies might be. But, um, like when you introduce yourself to a new plant, you, you know, we've talked about the plant spirit. Plant spirits are kind of like, um, animal spirits. Like if you go to a, if you go to an animal for guidance, you don't necessarily have to have the animal standing in front of you. You communicate um, through ritual, through meditation, what have you. You could do the same with plant spirits. So you can you can create a an astral greenhouse, for the lack of a better term, um, and populate it with the plants whose spirits you have communed with the plants who you wish to work with, to learn from, um, it's, I think it's an interesting alternative to, you know, trying to find some sort of plant that you want to learn from, but you can't find a physical, a physical example of somewhere. And then, of course, in the Green Witch's Garden, like, well, you can build a little garden inside. It doesn't have to be, you know, an acre of blowing flowers outdoors you can have one shelf you can have a single plant stand you can have one plant hanging in the corner of a room it will change the energy you can communicate with that plant that plant has its own energy signature it has its own personality and that's something that's fun to explore too you can have two pothos the the same species the same jadus and they, they will have completely, they'll be different. Like you can, you can, you can have fun sometimes if you have two of the same plant, even if one was a cutting from the, there are two cuttings, let's say from the same parent plant, you can blindfold yourself and have somebody move them around and you can try to sense the energy and see if you can identify which is which, because just like people, just like 
twins, um, identical twins, you've got a different personality. You know, you, you may have come from the same stock, but you're different people. And, and that's a level of subtlety that I, I don't know how many other casual gardeners um, really explore. Have you come across anything like that? Yes and no. I think it's really about, I don't know, but I guess interpretation. Like, yeah. I think sometimes we we are doing stuff, but we're not interpreting it the same way. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I think with plants, because so much of it's like beautifully intuitive. Yes. That we get a lot more diversity with stuff too. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. That's my thought. I, I was just, I was just reminiscing. I, I was finding myself getting lost in some of the things you were saying and I, you know, as, as a witch, I think it is so important to have things that are buffers for us that help us to naturally, like you talk about being an empath. I'm an empath, having things that help us to just naturally filter and naturally uh, buffer those energies that are coming in. And I think that when you have something, when you take the that approach, like you were saying, like you don't have to have a you know, an acre of land with flowing flowers, right? You can do these things and bring these things into your home. I think that in that in and of itself is like just witchy as fuck. Like oh, to yeah. me, like, I mean, really th- if you think about it, like taking this thing that is meant to be outside, you know, otherwise and bringing it inside, creating its own, you know, this environment for it. And on top of that, you're, you're doing it in a way that's, meant to allow your intuition to be informed. That's meant to allow your, your spiritual bodies to be informed and that given the take that comes from back of that. And I feel like I get, you know, reading your books that, that, that energy's there the whole time. That's why I'm, I love them so much, but I, I think that approach to it, it's so practical and it makes so much sense that people don't even think about that, that they're doing it. Does that make, am I, am I wording that correctly? I don't know. (laughs) I think so. I think so. Because like I said, you know, it it all ties back into be the magic, right? I mean, you are the magic. It's, it's so intuitive. You, we often don't think consciously about what we're doing, particularly with plants. It is a natural response to what the plant needs. Like we don't, we don't sit back and create a, an agenda for what we're going to do with this plant today. We encounter the plant, we evaluate the plant, we give the plant what it needs. It's, it is a, if there is a need, you fill it. And plants do that for us as well, but it's subtle. And because what we do is unconscious, we don't necessarily recognize when the plants are doing it to, with us as well. Absolutely. My button got sticky. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, Aaron, I have taken two, almost two and a half hours of your time up on a Sunday, which is just incredible to me. And I'm just so grateful for you that you've taken the time out. Um, again, you were going to have all the information on where people can find you in the show notes. So everybody just check those out for sure. Um, and I know that you're in the process of like built rebuilding websites and getting all your social media stuff kind of, you know, rechecked out. But if we were to send anybody to come find you online to like one location, where would you send people? Um, well, the website will be active within by the end of February. Okay. 
for sure. Uh, but I'm on Instagram and I'm also on Facebook. Um, Aaron Murphy Hiscock. So if you search either of those, you will find me there. And again, everyone can just check the show notes out and it'll yeah. be there. All right. Thank you so much for, again, for joining me and everybody. You stay tuned. We'll be right back after this break. All right. Well, that just about does it for this episode. Okay. So we went over an hour, but can you fault me? I mean, how could I stop that woman? She's just a gift. It was a gift. The whole thing was a gift. I hope that you enjoyed it as much as I did. I hope that you come and join us at Horticulture, where you're going to get to hear from the amazing Aaron Murphy Hiscock even more. Um, and of course, we're going to get into all kinds of plant magic and green magic. And uh, our, our main theme is actually about mycology and about how you can tap into the mycelial network of forests and use the, your magic and all kinds of cool stuff. There's so many cool things to check out at Horticulture. So come visit us, hang out with us. We absolutely would love to have you. Uh, once again, you can find tickets at modernwitch.com or you can go to horticulture.com. And uh, yeah, tickets are available early, bird tickets are available so you can save money, which is even better. And I'm going to shut up about it for this episode, but you know where to go. Uh, also, don't forget, if you enjoyed this, please don't forget to uh, subscribe, like, tell your friends, do all the things. You know how this works. You know, you've, you've been around. You know how uh, a, a podcast proliferates, right? Yeah, you know how this goes. So please do your part. And uh, it, it's really easy. And so there's a button right right above you. Just go ahead and click it. And it's five stars. That's it. So I'm going to do it pretty easy. Okay. All right. I'll shut up now. Uh, you've been listening to the Moderate Podcast. I'm Devin Hunter, and I will see you next week. There are forces at work here, dark, incomprehensible forces.